0: Hello, you are tuning into Creepypasta's Told in the Dark, and today, unlike every other episode, I am doing three stories because they are super long, and hopefully, you like them and enjoy. And the the ones that we're reading is Bess, Harold, and the Dead Hand. Like I said three episodes they're long i mean no, no not three episodes three th- three stories because because they're, they're super long and hope you enjoy now let's get on to the video raised horses. He may—he had many horses <clears throat> of all kinds, but his favorite was Bess, a gentle old mare he had grown up with. He had grown up with. He no longer rode her, for all she could do now was just a Mabel along. Bess spent her days grazing peacefully in a meadow. That summer, for the fun of it, John Nicholas went into a fortune teller's booth. The fortune teller studied her cards. I see danger ahead for you, she said. "Your Your favorite horse will cause you to die. I don't know when, but I know it will happen. It is in the cards. John Nicholas laughed. The idea that Beth would cause his death was nonsense. She was as dangerous as a bowl of soup. (sighs) Yet for then on, whenever he saw her, he remembered the fortune teller's warning that fall a farmer from the other end of the country asked if he could have best he had been thinking that the old horse would be perfect for his children to ride that's a good idea said john it'd be fun for them and it would give best something to do later john and his wife told wife later john told his wife about it now best won't kill me he said And they both laughed. A few months later, he saw the farmer who had taken her. How's my Bess?" He asked. Oh, she was fine for a while, the farmer said. The children loved her. Then she got sick. I had to shoot her to put her out of her misery. It was a shame. Despite herself, himself, john breathed a sigh of relief he had often wondered if in some crazy way though so some strange accident Bess would kill him now of course she could not i'd like to see her said john just s- to say goodbye she was my favorite horse the bones of the dead horse were in the farm but were in a far corner of the man's farm. John kneed down to Pat Bess's sun-bleached skin. Just then, a rattlesnake, snake, which had made its home inside the skull of uh, of its fangs, sank its fangs into John Nicholas's arm and killed him. Wah, wah, wah. When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool green pasture in the mountains to graze. Usually, they stayed there with the cows for two months. They then brought them down to the valley again. The work was was easy enough, but oh, it was boring. All day, the two men tended their cows. All night, they went back to the tiny hut where they lived. They ate supper and worked in the garden and went to sleep. It was always the same. Then Thomas had the idea that that changed everything. that That changed everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man, he said. It would be fun to make. And we could put it in the garden to scare away the birds it sh- it It should look like Harold Alfred said Harold was a the farmer, they both hated. They made the doll out of old sacks stuffed with straw. They gave it a pointy nose like Harold's and tiny eyes like his then they a- then they added dark hair. And a twisted frown. Of course, they always gave it Harold's name. Each morning on their way to the pasture, they tied Harold to the pole of the garden to scare away the birds. Each night they brought him inside so that they wouldn't get ruined if it rained. When they went, f- when they, when they were feeling playful they would talk to him one of them might say how are the vegetables go- growing today harold then the other may uh, then the other making believe he was harold would answer in a crazy voice very slowly then both would laugh but not harold whenever something went wrong they took it out on harold they would curse at him, even kick or punch him. Sometimes one of them would take the food they were eating, which they both were sick of, and smear it in the doll's face. How do you like that, stew, Harold? He would ask. Well, you'd better eat it or else. Then the two men would howl with laughter. One night after Thomas... Had whipped Hale's face with food. Hale grunted. "Did you hear that?" Alfred asked. "It was Harold," said Thomas. Thomas said, "I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. How could he grunt?" Alfred asked. "Just, just it, he's just a sack of straw. It's not possible." "Let's, let's throw him in the fire," said Thomas, "and that will be that." Let's not do anything stupid," said Alfred. "We don't know what's going on. When we, when we move the cows down, we'll leave him behind for now. Let's just keep an eye on him." So they left Harold sitting in the corner of the hut. They didn't talk to him or take him outside anymore. Now and then, the dog grunted, but that was all. After a few days, they decided there was nothing to be afraid of. Maybe a mouse or an insect that got in inside Harold, and they were making those sounds. So Thomas and Alfred went back to their old ways. Each morning, they put Harold out in the garden, and each night they brought him back into the hut. When they felt playful, they joked with him. When they felt mean, they treated him as badly as ever. Then one night Harold noticed something that was frightening him. Harold is growing, he said. It was think it was thinking the same thing, said Thomas Thomas said. Maybe it's just our imagination, Alfred replied. We have been here in the mountains too long. The next morning, while they were eating, Harold stood, stood up and walked out of the hut. He climbed up the up the roof and trotted back and forth like a horse on its hind legs all day and all night he trotted like that in the morning harold climbed down and stood in a far corner of the pasture the men had no idea what he what he would do next they were afraid they decided to take the cows down to the valley that same day when they left harold when they left harold was nowhere in sight they felt as if as if they had escaped a great danger and began joking and singing but when they had gone only a mile or two they realized they had forgotten to bring the milk stools neither one wanted to go back for them but the stools would cost a lot to replace they really they there really is nothing to be afraid of they want the they told one another after all what could a doll do? They drew straws they drew straws to see which one would go back it would go back. It was Thomas. I'll catch up with you he said and Alfred walked down toward the valley. When Alfred came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas but did not see him anywhere. But he did see Harold, the doll, was on the roof of the hut again. As Alfred watched, Harold kept, Harold Need, and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun The dead and the village. Huddled on the edge of a vast swamp, as far as one could see, there were soggy meadows, holes filled with black water, and distillerized sheets of wet, spongy peat. Skeletons of giant trees snagged. The people called, called them, rose up out of the muck, their dead branches reaching out like long, twisted arms. During the day the men in the village cut all cut the peat and hauled it home to dry and sell it for fuel. But when the sun went down and the wind sigh, sigh, sing, sigh, 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 sighed and moan moaning came in from the sea the men were quick to leave. Strange creatures took over the swamp at night and some even came into the village. That's what everyone said. People were so afraid that they wouldn't go back alone after dark. Young Tom Patterson was the only person in the village who did not believe in these creatures. On his way home from work, he'd whispered to his friends, there's one and they would jump and run and Tom would laugh and laugh finally. Some of his friends turned on him. If you know so much, they said, go back into the swamp some night and see what comes of it. I'll do it, said Tom. I work out there every day. Not once have I ever se- have I seen anything to frighten me. Why should it be different at night tomorrow? Why should it be different at night? Tomorrow night, I'll take my lantern and walk out into the wi- willow sag. If I get scared and run, I'll never make fun of you again. The next night, the men went to Tom Patterson's house to see him on his way. Thick clouds covered the moon. It was the blackest of nights. When they arrived, Tom Mothers was pleading with him not to go. I'll be all right," he said. "There's nothing to be up. There's nothing to be afraid of. Don't be foolish like the rest." He took his lantern and sang to himself, heading heading down to the spongy path toward the widow. Saying, "Some of the young men wondered if Tom wasn't right. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they were afraid of things that didn't exist." A few decided to follow him and see for themselves, but they stayed far behind in case he ran into trouble. They were sure they saw a dark shape moving about, but Tom's lantern kept bobbing up and down, and Tom's song kept floating back to them. To them, and nothing happened. Finally, they caught sight of the willow sag. There was Tom standing. All of a sudden, the wind blew out his lantern, and Tom stopped singing. The men stood stock still in the blackness, waiting for something awful to happen. The cloud shifted, and the moon came out. There was Tom again, only now he was—he had his back pushed up against the willow sa- 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 snag and his, he and he had his arms out in front of him as if he were fighting something off from there, there, where the men stood. It looked like dark shapes were whirling in around him, Then the clouds covered the moon again. Once more, it was as black as pitch. When the moon came out again, Tom was hanging on the willow sag, snag with one arm and his other arm was pull was stretched out in front of him as if something was pulling it it looked at it looked to the men as if a rotten moldy hand with one arm a dead hand had grabbed tom's hand with one final wretch whatever had hold had hold of Tom. Jerked him into the muck. That's when the men said, when the clouds botted out of the moon once more, the men turned around and ran through the blackness towards the village. Again and again, they lost the path and fell into the muck in water holes. In the end, they crawled back on their hands and knees, but Tom Patterson was not with them. In the next... In the morning, with, with the people searched everywhere for Tom, finally they gave up. They gave, they gave up for loss. Finally, they gave him up for lost. A few weeks later, toward the evening, the villagers heard a cry. It was Tom's mother. She was rushing down the path from from the swamp, shouting and waving. When she was sure the villagers had spotted her. She turned and ran back off and went and they went after her. They found young Tom Patterson in the willow sag groaning and, and gibber, gibbering as if he had lost his mind. He kept pointing with one hand at something only he could see where his other hand should have been there was nothing but a raggy stump oozing blood. There had the hand had been ripped off clean. Everybody said it was the dead hand that had come that had done it. But no one really knows. Nobody will ever know except Tom Patterson. And he never spoke again. He never spoke another word again. Sorry for the speech. Like, the the incorrect words. Sorry. (laughs) And that concludes episode 3 of season 2. Thank you for tuning in, and I will see you in the next... I will talk to you in the next episode... And uh, I hope you enjoyed. That was only three, which if you are upset, if you are wondering why there wasn't four, well, it's because at the beginning I said that we're doing three because it's super long. I didn't want to do four because it take way too much time. And I don't know if you guys want longer episodes, but I don't like reading that long. So, sorry.